All right, good evening, everybody. I hope you're doing well. We've had a beautiful weekend. Yesterday, the temperature was great. Today was another beautiful day. Uh, so I hope you've had a really, really good weekend so far. Uh, just a couple of quick uh, things that I want to mention to you. Uh, believe it or not, in another week and a half, it's going to be Halloween. And of course, here at the North Campus, we're going to be doing our Light the Night outreach in five different neighborhoods, and you've heard a lot about that. But down at the South Campus, we do trunk or treat in the parking lot there. Last year, they had over 500 people come through, so a great number of people. This year, we've really amped up the uh, publicity on that, and they're expecting well over 1,000 people to come through the campus on that day. And so I wanna just let you know that we are looking for more cars to participate in Trunk or Treat. What does that involve? That involves you opening up, driving down there for that night, opening up the trunk of your car and decorating it a little bit. They'll provide the candy for you to pass out to the kids and all that. So if you're not involved in Light the Night up here, but you would like to do trunk or treat at our South Campus, we want to encourage you to do that. You can sign up at the Hub for that, or you can even sign up out in the lobby tonight to let them know you would be available to open up your trunk for that. So it is going to be awesome. We want to make sure that when people come through there, we have lots of cars with lots of trunks. We've got other things going on down there uh, as well that night, but it's going to be a great, great night. So if that floats your boat, head down to the South Campus on October 31st and help them out down there. And then also just one last reminder to our guys, this coming Saturday at 8.30, we've got a men's prayer breakfast with missionary Derek Walker. So uh, I would encourage you guys to head to that. Uh, it's going to be over here in the study center on Saturday. You can get tickets out in the lobby. All right, let's jump into the message for tonight. I want to start off with a joke tonight. Uh, there were two friends. One's name was Jim, one's name was Tony. And they were out and they were having lunch one day. And uh, so Jim asked Tony, he said, hey, your wife's birthday is tomorrow, isn't it? Did you get her anything for her birthday? Did you get her anything nice? And uh, Tony quickly responded, and he says, yes, sir, absolutely I did. I bought her a bag, and I bought her a belt. And Jim was shocked, because usually Tony was not that thoughtful. And Jim thought to himself, and he said, well, wow, Tony, that, that really sounds nice. I'm sure that she'll appreciate those beautiful gifts, a bag and a belt. And Tony replied, and he said, uh, well, I sure hope she appreciates my gift. I'm sure the vacuum cleaner will work a lot better now. And some of you, it's going to take a moment for you to get that. Well, tonight, as we continue our series on dealing with the elephant in the family room, I want to talk to you about marriage. Marriage. And specifically tonight, here's the topic we're going to talk about. What do you do when you're married to someone who is completely opposite or completely different from you. I mean completely different. That's a big elephant. What, what do you do when you're married to something and they're the exact polar opposite of you? Now, that's a really important issue in marriage for this reason. Because the differences that exist between you and your spouse, the devil will use to destroy your marriage if you don't understand God's plan and purpose for those differences and also how to navigate those differences. There's an old saying, you've all heard it, opposites what? Attract, right? But science also has discovered that opposites repel. Have you experienced that in your marriage? 
You, you're, you're, the fact that you were so different from your mate may have attracted you to your mate, but once you got in close living quarters, those differences began to repel the two of you. The title of today's message is Broken Together. It comes from a song written by Casting Crowns. And for Crystal and I, that song has become our song, our anthem, because it speaks to a very difficult issue that we've had to deal with over the last 35 years of our marriage, and we still deal with it. We still have to wrestle with it. And it's this. It's the fact that Chris and I are total opposites in every way, except for the fact that we both love Jesus. That's good, right? And we both desire to see lives transformed. After that, similarities end. In every other way, we are different. And the words of that song are actually framed and they sit on the counter where we get ready every day to remind us that we are broken together. And so here it is. I brought it for you to see tonight so you knew I wasn't lying. So every day when we're getting ready, this is in front of us. Because we are so different, we need to remind ourselves of the lyrics of this song. Let me read them to you. What do you think about when you look at me? I know we're not the fairy tale you dreamed we'd be. That often happens. Opposites attract and it's all wonderful until they actually start living together and then the fairy tale breaks down because it's like, dear God, what have I married? Right? You wore the veil, you walked the aisle. You took my hand and we dove into a mystery. How I wish we could go back to simpler times. Before, before all our scars and all our secrets were in the light. Now on this hallowed ground, we've drawn the battle lines. Will we make it through the night? It's going to take much more than promises this time, for only God can change our minds. Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete. Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams and I'll bring mine, could healing still be spoken and save us? The only way we'll last forever is to be broken together. How it must have been so lonely by my side while we were building kingdoms and chasing dreams and left love behind. I'm praying God will help our broken hearts align and that we won't give up the fight so that we could be broken together. What we've had to learn is that Crystal and I are never going to be the same. No matter how hard we try to change each other. And believe me, we've tried to change each other. But we're different. And maybe that's the way it is with your mate. You see, she's broken and I'm broken. And the truth of the matter is that all of us in this room are broken, whether we want to admit it or not. And in the midst of our brokenness, and in the midst of our differences, Crystal and I have had to learn how to be broken together. Because we've realized that even with all of our differences, that we need each other to be complete, and we need each other to fulfill our God-given destinies. And so today I want to share how you can be broken together in your marriage. It starts by learning how to appreciate and how to maximize your differences. So I want you to take your Bible tonight and I want you to turn to the book of 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Now, I know when you get to the scripture, you're going to say, wow, that's a really odd scripture to preach on for a marriage message. But just stick with me, all right? It'll make sense. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? For if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Paul's overarching point in all of these verses that I just read is this. He wants us, the reader, to know that differences are necessary. Differences are necessary. Why would he make that statement? Because as human beings, we usually look at the differences between us and other people. Tonight we're talking about marriage. So let's talk about the differences between us and our mate. And we look at those differences as a bad thing. In fact, we often complain about our differences, right? Well, why can't she be like me? Or why can't he be like me? Life would be so much easier if they were just like me. Why can't they see things the way I see things? They're driving me nuts right? Have you ever had those conversations in your home? But Paul's perspective in this passage is different. Paul is saying to us that differences aren't a bad thing. Are you ready for this? They are a glorious thing. They're a glorious thing. Why? Because God uses our differences to strengthen, to complement, and to complete us. Now, the reason that we dislike our differences is because differences are inconvenient. How many of you know it's easier to be with people that are just like us? Right? So much easier. If you were all just like me, it would be so much easier to run this church. Right? Sure. But it wouldn't be a very good church. Right? 
It's easier to be with people that are like us. So let me be open and honest and transparent with you for a moment. I love my wife dearly, but Crystal and I are so different that there have been days in my marriage that I have wanted to push her off a cliff. And, and she has felt the same way about me. Now don't sit there looking so holy because you've all had those thoughts too, right? But what God has taught me is this, that without her, my life and my ministry would be incomplete because she brings stuff to the table in our marriage that I need. I'm incomplete without it. And the same is true of me to her. It's very easy to let our differences in the church with other people or in our marriages divide and destroy us. That's what the enemy wants, right? He wants you to allow the differences that you have with the other people in this body to destroy this body. But in God's plan, differences were never intended to divide us. They were intended to strengthen us. Did you hear that? To strengthen us. Because God is the author of diversity, isn't he? There are no two snowflakes that are the same. There are no two fingerprints that are the same. And there are no two leaves that are the same. And unfortunately, many couples in our day and age have bought the lie from Satan that their differences make them incompatible. So they end up in divorce court claiming irreconcilable differences. But in God's mind, our differences are designed to complement each other. Our differences are designed to help us to serve him. They're designed to make us stronger, more powerful. And so tonight, God wants you to see your differences with your mate, maybe for the first time, as an asset, not a liability. And that's what Crystal and I have had to learn, that our differences are an asset, they're not a liability. So how can we maximize our differences? How can we learn how to be broken together? Step number one is this, that first of all, we have to identify our differences. So here's an exercise for you to do when you leave tonight and you go home. Make a list of some of the biggest differences between you and your spouse, and when you're done making that list, I want you to ask yourself two questions. Number one, why do those differences irritate me? Okay? And then question number two, what do those differences and the fact that I'm irritated by them reveal about me? Right? Do that exercise. You see, when we don't learn to value our differences, we start to get irritated by them. We start to get irritated because things aren't being done the way we want. Right? Differences will reveal our strengths and they will reveal our weaknesses and the areas that we as individuals need to grow in. The irritation, the aggravation I often feel with crystals because our differences reveal the brokenness in me. The lack in me. We're all broken in different places. We're all broken in different ways in our lives. And our brokenness affects our perception of things, how we see things. And it also affects how we react to things. So if you were with us for our marriage night last night, we had a great time last night. One of the things that Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott talked about last night was the power of perception, that all conflicts in a marriage are caused by 
perception. Because we're different, we see things differently. Because we're different, we react to things differently. We also get irritated because since we're wired differently, we have certain preferences about the way we like to do things, don't we? I have my preferences, I assure you. Crystal has her preferences, you have your preference. Here's what you need to know about preferences. Preferences are not right or wrong, they're just preferences. Right? Because this is what gets us in trouble in church too in the body of Christ. Because we all have preferences. And if we demand to have our preferences met, then there's going to be division in the body because your preference is not right or wrong. It's just your preference. It's not gospel, right? So let me give you an example about preferences. Crystal and I travel very differently. Now, It used to be a problem in the car, too, because I'm the kind of guy that I like to get from point A to point B as quickly as I can. So I don't like to stop. The only time I want to stop is to get gas. And then I've got the stopwatch going. And I want to get in the car, out of the car, get the gas, go to the bathroom, get back in and get back on the highway as quick as I can because what? I'm all about the destination. I don't care about the journey in between. I just want to get there, right? And so a lot of years it was difficult to travel in the car because she would say, I've got to go to the bathroom. I said, you just went two miles ago, right? Or she'd say, I'm hungry. And I'd say, we'll eat when we get there. Yeah, but that's not for another eight hours, right? So very different. But probably the story that magnifies it the most is when we fly together. This is pretty much a disaster, right? Because I'm the kind of guy that needs to get to the airport early, all right? How many of you are with me in that? You like to get there? Because I got to get through the whole security nonsense, and when I get there, I don't, I don't get coffee in the lobby, I want to make sure I get to the gate and get through security and get through the lines and get everything to end. Once I'm at the gate, then I can breathe, right? Crystal, if she could, would drive up to the airport five minutes before the plane takes off, all right? And somehow, she does this all the time, and she's never missed a flight. She claims something about the favor of God. I don't know if that's true or not, but... If that's the case, I don't have it. So we were going to a conference in Philadelphia. And when we got off the plane, when we revived in Philadelphia, I happened to notice, because I'm always observing things, I happened to notice, oh, wow, mental note to self, the security lines are under construction when we've got to come back through this terminal. We better get here early because there are long lines. Just a little mental note to myself. And so we go to the conference, we have a fantastic time, and uh, we get back to the airport. And we walk into the airport, I said, remember, long lines, we got to get through that security, and we got to get to our gate, because it's going to be long, long, long. And she goes, but there's the coffee shop right there. I said, there's a coffee shop on the other side of security. Let's get in the line. Let's just get through this because we don't know how long it's going to take. If we're messing around over here in that line getting coffee and then we're going to miss it. And she goes, no, I want coffee now. 
And I'm like, we can't stop for coffee now. There's a line. Look at how long the line is. And so finally, she turned to me and she said, you go and stand in line and I'll go get coffee. And I thought that was a pretty good compromise. I'll just hold a spot for her. So I get in this long, long line. But I realize that she's a little ticked off. And so when she gets her coffee, I wave her up to come in line with me. And she goes, and she goes to the back of the line. And I'm like, and she goes, and I'm like, fine, whatever, right? You've been there. And so we're standing in this line for 45 minutes. It's been 45 minutes, and I'm about 10 people from going through the security device. When all of a sudden, a security guard comes alongside of me, and he opens up another lane. And who in the world is with him but my wife? I'm standing here, 10 people away, and as she goes walking by with him, him opening the way, she goes to the head of the line, she waves. I'm fuming. I'm like, this isn't even fair, God. She goes right through the line and takes off down there and it takes me another 15 minutes to get through those 10 people and get down to the gate. When I get down to the gate, I sit down and she looks at me with this big smile on her face and I said, don't even say a word. It is not fair. It is not fair. The differences of how we travel. I did get her back, though, a couple years later. We were in Maui celebrating our 20th anniversary, and uh, she uh, loves to be on the beach. And again, she'll stay on the beach until five minutes before the flight leaves. And uh, we're in Maui, and I want to get back, and my little thing is kicking in, you know, my little whatever you want to call it, OCD, whatever. And I'm like, I, I want to get to the airport early. And she says, what time do we need to be there? And I said, oh, about now. And so we pack up the car, we get there. I don't know if you've ever been to the airport in Maui. It's like three gates or something like that. There really isn't a rush to get in there. But I had to drop off the rental car and all that. And so we get the rental car dropped off. We just happen to go right through security, right to the gate. And she goes, what time is our flight? I said, oh, it's leaving soon. And she goes up and she checks the monitor and she comes back and she says, our flight doesn't leave for three hours. She said, I could have been on the beach for another hour and a half. And I said, oh, really? I, I, didn't, I didn't, oh, we must have got here really early today or something. So I got her back. But here are some of the common differences that people often face. Have you ever noticed that talkers often marry quiet, reflective types? Planners often marry go-with-the-flow people, like me and Crystal. Homebodies marry people who like to be on the go. You get the idea. It's important to identify and understand our differences. Because once we understand our differences and we stop looking at them as right or wrong, but as preferences, we can move on to step two, which is this. 
Look for the positives in your differences. In other words, every difference you have with your mate has a positive side. And every broken place can be turned into a place of strength. So let me introduce you to two people, Joe and Millie. Joe is a couch potato. His wife, Millie, never sits down. She's always doing something, always on the go. And their differences have created tension and resentment in their marriage because Joe can't understand why Millie can't sit down and relax, and Millie can't understand why Joe's so lazy, right? Joe has a very laid-back, relaxed approach to life, while Millie wants to be doing something every single minute of the day. So what are the positives here? Well, the positive side to Joe's approach, if you choose to see it this way, is that all work and no play makes Joe a dull boy. His view highlights an important truth. Life is to be enjoyed. There needs to be a balance between work and relaxation. On the other hand, Millie reminds us that we have a responsibility to use our time wisely and to be productive and fruitful with our lives. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, right? Now, if Joe and Millie could just learn to see the positives in each other's personalities, those differences could bring balance to their lives. They could come to the middle. They could avoid the harmful extremes on both sides because Millie has an extreme that she could go to and Joe has an extreme that he could go to. So over the years, one of the things that Crystal and I have done is use our differences to do two things. First, we recognize that our differences have tempered us and pulled us over the last 35 years more toward middle ground. She is totally spontaneous. She likes to go with the flow. I like to plan and I have to be prepared, all right? What's the best position? Somewhere in the middle. And so over the years, I've come to the middle and she's come to the middle, all right? That's a good thing. Second, We've learned to utilize each other's strengths. There are things that because of her personality and her gifts, she does really, really well, and I let her do those things. And then there are things that I do really, really well, and she lets me do those things, right? We've learned to turn our differences into a positive. Step number three is this. We need to learn from our differences. So according to the scripture that we read in 1 Corinthians 12, God created each of us differently, so that we would be the perfect complement to each other. What does the word complement mean? Here's the dictionary definition. To fill out or complete. To mutually supply each other's lack. To combine in such a way as to enhance or emphasize the good qualities of another. So let's go back to our illustration with Joe and Millie for a moment. For the benefit of her body, mind, spirit, and marriage, Millie needs to learn that life is about more than work. That you can't go and go and go and go and go all the time, right? And Joe needs to understand that procrastination is a very poor way to live because there are things that need to get done, and if he helped Millie do them, she would be more likely to sit down and watch a movie with him. God designed marriage to stimulate our spiritual, our intellectual, and our emotional growth. Did you realize that? That God shapes us, God forms us in marriage. That doesn't happen when the only people we hang out with are people like us, because we never expose ourselves to different points of view or different ways of doing things. 
So in marriage, that often happens. Growth happens when we get stretched. We get stretched by being exposed to views and behaviors and methods of doing things that are different from our own. So let me tell you, in 35 years of marriage, I've gotten stretched a lot. But it's been good for me. I do a lot of things now that I didn't do 35 years ago, and it's been great for me. Because the only way to fulfill your destiny as a couple is to embrace your differences because you realize that they will make you stronger and give you everything you need to succeed as a couple. Your differences will be complementary. They will make you one. Isn't that the way it is with the body of Christ? That's what 1 Corinthians 12 is all about. It's that this body is made up of different parts, all kinds of people, all, you know, different things. And as we work together, everybody is a piece of the puzzle. And if we come together, we form a whole, a powerful whole, right? It's the same as marriage. Step number four is this, that we need to replace condemnation with affirmation. Condemnation with affirmation. In other words, when we view our differences with other people as a bad thing or a negative thing, we often sit in the seat where we start condemning and judging them. Well, I can't believe you. You're just so lazy. Or why can't you just sit down and relax with me? Words of condemnation create walls of resentment. But if we view our differences as positives, we're able to offer words of affirmation like this. Thank you for helping me to learn how to relax and enjoy life and not be so obsessed with getting everything done so I have more balance in my life. And that would be true. Joe might say, you know, Millie, I get on you for never sitting down, but I want you to know that I appreciate all your hard work and how you keep things running smoothly around here. I want to help you more. What do you need me to do? Words of affirmation. Because you realize what your partner's bringing to the table. When we learn how to appreciate our differences, it will strengthen our marital relationship. But if we see our differences as a negative, it will always lead to condemnation, which will destroy the relationship. And this is how marriages get destroyed. Because our differences and the fact that we don't talk about them is the elephant in the room. In healthy marriages, spouses see their differences through a different lens. They see them as a positive thing that will make their marriage stronger. And finally, step number five, five is this. We need to recognize in our marriages that we are both the problem and the solution to our marriage. We're both the problem and the solution. None of us is perfect. None of us is completely innocent in marital conflict. Do you know what the number one cause of conflict in my marriage is? Me. It's my undealt with issues. It's my brokenness. My brokenness is the junk that lies within me that I haven't dealt with that keeps raising its ugly head like the gophers on that carnival game at the fair, whack-a-mole. Have any of you ever played whack-a-mole before? Do they have a picture of that to put up on the screen? There you go, here it is, whack-a-mole. You know, all these little moles, they keep popping up and you have this hammer, and every time they pop their head up, you gotta whack them. And the goal is to keep, keep them down underneath. But the problem with whack-a-mole is this. As soon as you hit one, what happens? The other one pops up. 
You never get them to stay down. It's exhausting, right? So let me take that game and let me just flip it. Can I say this? It's exhausting trying to play whack-a-mole with the issues in your life. See, because we all have issues. And so what we do many times is instead of dealing with our issues, we've got the hammer. And when the issue raises its ugly head, we're like, pop, 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 pop. And after a while, it gets exhausting trying to keep the cork in the bottle, trying to keep the mole in the hole, right? You wear yourself out that way, and that doesn't lead to a great marriage. So what's the answer? The answer is not to play whack-a-mole with your issues. The answer is to deal with your issues one at a time so that eventually there's nothing left to pop up. In my marriage, I am both the problem and the solution at the same time. I'm the problem, not Crystal, because oftentimes it's my brokenness that creates the division and creates the problems that are between her and I. I'm the solution because when I'm willing to acknowledge and I'm willing to deal with my issues, I have the opportunity to close the gap between us so that we can become one. When I'm willing to embrace our differences, when I'm willing to present them to God, here's what happens. I begin to work with Crystal to strengthen our marriage rather than working against her to destroy it. Does that make sense? I'm, even gonna, I'm either going to recognize that we're two totally different people and, and, and we're just different. That's the way it is. But if I can learn to appreciate her differences and work with her and her work with me, we'll have a great marriage. Not a perfect marriage, but a great marriage. But if I work against those differences, it's going to be miserable. You are the problem in your marriage, not your mate. But you are also the solution to the problem, not your mate. And so tonight, I just want to encourage you. If you are living with someone that is totally different than you, and a lot of us are, and even if they're not totally different than you, there are enough differences that it can get under your skin. Here's what I want you to know. God designed it that way. Because your differences make you stronger. Your differences are meant to be complementary so that you can do more together. If you recognize it's a positive thing and not a bad thing. As we conclude tonight, Pastor Brock is going to come and he's going to sing the song that I gave you the lyrics to just a few moments ago called Broken Together. And here's what I'd like you to do. If you're here with your spouse tonight, as he sings this song, I want you to take the hand of your mate. I want you to listen to the very powerful words of the song. And I want you to just ask God to help you to be broken together.